Thank you, Dan. What a good song, man. It's one of my favorite words. There's a, there's a lot of good words in, in Christianese, but I love grace, and I love redeemed, and I love righteous, because all of those are things that God has given to us. You know, we can't earn them. They're just gifts. And he said, here it is. Here it is if you want it. It's a gift of God, not, not of works, lest any man can boast. We can't boast about this. And when we think about grace and, and redemption and righteousness, all we can do is look up and just say thank you because it's nothing about us. And that's awesome, man. He changed us from where we used to be. All right, Acts 12 this morning. We're going to go on a jailbreak this morning. And, uh, you know, if you like cops and robber movies, you always like when they have the jailbreaks. And uh, I've watched that escape from Alcatraz and all those kind of things. And, uh, you know, all those guys had to do the work themselves. Uh, this morning is kind of a little different spin on a, on a jailbreak. So let's go to Acts 12 and, and look at this um, story this morning together. And just a lot to, to think about, a lot to glean from it this morning. I just love the book of Acts and uh, what's going on. This is kind of Peter's, besides verse 15, uh, chapter 15, this will be kind of Peter's last appearance. Nobody really knows where Peter went off to after this time. He began, he, I mean, I, I think he was still doing ministry, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, he just kind of disappears from the pages of Acts, except one little spot over in chapter 15 after this. And Paul will step forward for the next few weeks and, and take off and, and do his ministry and his missionary journeys and all those things. So kind of interesting as we see kind of the, the close of Peter being up front here in, in the, the, the pages of, of Acts. Acts 12, verse 1, as we read together this morning. Uh, and this, my, mine's titled, Peter's Miraculous Escape from Prison. And persecution continues this morning. It was about time, about that time, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and intending to persecute them. Now, you see the King Herod a lot in the New Testament. This was uh, kind of the, uh, on down the line. Now, the great, Herod the Great, and kind of just some genealogy here real quick if you like that kind of thing. Herod the Great was the one that, uh, declared all the boy babies to be killed when Jesus was born. You remember that? And we'll talk about that in, in uh, Christmas and things. But Herod the Great was the one that, that gave that edict where everybody go out and kill all the boy babies so that nobody comes and takes my thrones, what it amounted to. So, but this Herod is the grandson of Herod the Great, all right? This Herod here is, is Herod um, Agrippa I, I think is his official title, but he was the grandson. Now, also, there's another Herod, Herod Antipas. You've heard of that guy before. He was the one that had John the Baptist beheaded. And so this was his nephew, all right? This Herod here is, is Herod Antipas's nephew, and Herod the Great was this man's grandpa, okay? So that kind of tell you. And, and listen, if you had the name Herod, it was bad. You were ruthless. You were very, um, very insecure. You were jealous. You always worried about somebody trying to take your life. Um, and they were just brutal mass murderers. Uh, if, you, if you coughed in his presence, and he didn't approve of that that day, he'd just have your head chopped off. And so he was very brutal, very bloody. Any Herods were very, very bloody, very, very terrible family, as you might think here, as, as you see this going on. So, who belonged and intended to persecute them? He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Now, this, this James was the brother of John, and that John is the one that wrote the book of John, the one that also was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, 
and, and wrote Revelation for us in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Um, uh, the thing about this is I look at this, it says, um, he had James, the brother of John, put to death. And we're going to read here in just a minute that he rescues Peter. And so our question is, why did he allow James to be put to death? And why did he save Peter? Why, why didn't he save James too? And, you know, you think about it, it kind of takes you back to the story. You remember when, when Jesus was talking to him, I think it was back in, in Matthew, and, and his mom, James and John's mom, come up and said, can my son sit on your right and left when they get to heaven? And, and he said, are you, are you really willing to do what I'm about to go through? He asked James and John this question. Are you really willing to go through this persecution and this punishment that I'm about to do through the cross? And they said, yeah, we're ready. You know, at the time, they had no idea what they would face, but here we are a few years later down the road, and he is experiencing the same thing. He is one of the first apostles. He's the first apostle murdered for the cause of Christ. He's the first martyr from the apostles. You think about that. You think about the change there and how his trip to the throne was through blood and through bloodshed. He, he got a throne as far as he's, you know, he's going to be there with the Lord, but he had to go through some very difficult things. Not long ago on Wednesday night, this won't be up here on the screen, Russell, but not long ago on Wednesday night, and I, I apologize for those that were there, but this is so good and it fits so well. But you know, if you go over in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, they, talk, they call it the Hall of Faith. And it, it says things like this, by faith Abraham, and by faith Isaac, and by faith Jacob, and by faith Moses, and by faith uh, the walls of Jericho fell down, and, and all these things. And it talks about their faith, and God delivered them, and their faith, and God did something miraculous, and their faith, and God did something that nobody else would dream they would ever do. And they, they escaped through, God, through faith in God. But there's a very important part down there at the bottom of Hebrews 11 that we leave off. And, and I don't know if I've ever really noticed it in this context until we talked about it a few Wednesday nights ago. But here, I just want to read this to you. You don't have to turn there, but I just want to read this to you. It said, there's were, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resur resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging. Think about what they're going through. Think about these people, what they're going through. And it really makes you think about what we're seeing on the TV today. What this terrible group ISIS is doing to people and beheading them and crucifying them and, and killing children. We, we see that same thing going on. Why doesn't God rescue them? Listen to me. Some face jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. Think about being sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, persecuted and mistreated. They didn't have anything. They had to wear animal skins just so they had something to cover their body. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and living in caves and, and in holes in the ground. But listen to this. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what they had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. 
Why didn't God rescue them? By faith Moses, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac. Why didn't God step up and stop this awfulness from going on? Why didn't God step up and keep them from being sawed in two? Why didn't God step up and help John here, James? Why didn't he rescue James? He was going to take Peter out of the prison. Why didn't he stop and, and rescue James? And guys, I don't have an answer to that. Well, Brother Todd, you're our pastor. You're supposed to know these things. I don't have an answer for that. The one answer that I do have is that God is sovereign. And that's a big word that means God is in control. And God knows way more than I know. And God knows how to take someone through even a very difficult and bloody and, and horrendous thing that we, the worst things that we can think of. He knows how to take someone through that. And he said, he said they didn't see the promise. And, and I think as we look at that, they didn't see, maybe they didn't see Jesus come and be born, but maybe they didn't also see the rescue that some of these other guys seen. But you know what? The scripture also says, but God had something better for them. He was going to take them on. He was going to rescue them completely. He was going to take them completely out of this world. Now, I know it's terrible to be martyred and to be killed for the cause of Christ, and it breaks our heart. But as you look at Peter being rescued to fight on in this world, or to, J to, uh, to, to James that was rescued into the arms of Jesus, if we really want to look at it in spiritual terms, James, James got the better end of the deal. He was with Jesus. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling why this happens and that happens and that happens and this happens. But I guess in all things, we must trust the Lord even when we don't understand. You know, we can come to church. We can do the right things. We can pray. We can read the Word. And guys, that doesn't guarantee us that bad things are not going to happen in our life. And I know none of us want to hear that. I know you'd rather tell me, get up here and have me just tell you that everything's going to be great. You come give Jesus your heart, and there's no more troubles. It's all great. It's all peachy keen. But guys, it doesn't happen that way, and we know that. We know that. Because there is sin in this world. Because this world is contaminated. Because this world is ugly from the underside up. There is sin and sin festers and grows and decays and destroys and diseases. But, 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 Jesus Christ is in control. And he will rescue you to a wonderful place with him someday. Man. I thought about that. Why didn't, why didn't he help James? And I don't know the answer. But I know he had a purpose. I know he was going to bring something good out of something terrible. Did God kill James? No. But did God rescue James? Yes. Did God bring something good out of that? I believe when those people seen that James was willing to stand up for his Lord no matter what, I believe it pressed on some of those to be encouraged to fight on, to march on. And guys, we're living in a world today that there's all kind of craziness going on. I don't, even know how to, I don't even know how to get in the same mind frame with those crazy people that are going on over there. I don't even know how, that, I don't even know how you justify any of that. But as I told our young people this morning, when there is death and persecution and slaughtering and all that thing's involved, it points to one person. It's called Satan. And he is all about death. He is all about destroying your life. 
He is all about leading you in a direction that you cannot handle so that he can destroy your life. And our Lord is all about life. He is all about life. But just, just one little word there. You know, you kind of could fly right over that. James, the brother, put to death by the sword. Okay. But guys, there's a lot right there. There's a lot to think about. There's, there's no guarantees in this life. In this life, there is promises and there is guarantees in following Jesus Christ. And I, I pray, I hope that when it comes my time, if my time is like this, I pray for the faith to be able to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ no matter what. And guys, that's a big thing. That's a, that's a big thing to think about because I love my family a lot. What if you're asked to sacrifice your children or deny Christ? What are you going to do? You say, Brother Todd, that's not going to happen in the United States. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I'm trying to get to, the point I'm trying to get to is I want to be able to believe that Jesus Christ is truthful and just and always right and everything, and I trust him no matter what I face. And that's the kind of faith I want to have someday. And that's difficult. That's difficult. Here we see James had that kind of faith. He took the Lord to the end. But it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Let's move on. When he saw that they had met with his approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival at Unleavened Bread. And now you start to see a correlation about what happened to Jesus and what's going on with Peter. Now, this was right before the Passover. And you remember, what, you remember what the tradition was? Go back to Jesus. Remember what happened? You remember they come out and they said, would you rather have Jesus or would you have, rather have Barabbas? You know, it's your people's custom, the king said at the time. It's your people's custom that I can take this one and put this one in his place and he can go free and we'll execute this one. And they said, what? Give us Barabbas. And so Herod, wanting to get the approval of the people, wanting everybody to like him, he knew that the, the old fashioned Jews, the one that didn't believe in the way, that didn't believe in Jesus Christ the Messiah, they were still caught up in worshiping Moses, so to speak, and all that that goes with. They didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And man, when he put James to death, woo, they liked that. And boy, Herod seen that was a good thing. He said, man, if I can get the leader of the mob here, if I can get Peter and I put him to death, they're going to love me. Because Peter's already been over there winning those crazy Gentiles to the Lord. He's already been doing over there crazy things, and, and we don't approve of that. We don't like them people here having our Jesus and our God. Of course, they didn't have Jesus. They just was clinging on to their old-fashioned God that wasn't what Jesus wanted them to have anyway. So he had, he had a big stage to, to walk around on. Boy, and I'm fixing to do something really big, Herod said. I'm, I'm fixing to really show who's in boss, who's in, who's in charge. So Peter was... I'm sorry, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. He's got four squads of four, 16 soldiers are assigned to Peter. That's four for each watch. There's four watches during a 24-hour period. So every time they would bring together another watch, there'd be four new soldiers come in. Two of the soldiers would chain themselves to Peter, and the other two would stand at the, go, the, the, the door and guard it. So he, did, he, he said, Peter's not getting away. He is not going anywhere. So Peter was kept in prison, but, here's a big one, but 
the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Guys, don't underestimate the power of a praying church. Don't underestimate the power of a praying church. And probably the truth be known, our churches don't pray enough. They prayed. They gathered together, and we'll read here in a minute. They gathered together and prayed day after day after day after day for Peter. But, Herod looks like he's in charge. Everything's going Herod's way. But, the church was praying. And guys, I'm telling you, with a church praying to the will of the Lord for the right reasons, you can shake the world. You can shake the world. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Now, call me kind of crazy, but if I'm going to be executed the next day, I'm not going to be sleeping too much. I, I think you see the real faith that Peter had in his God. He's, he's asleep. He's just, he's probably snoring. You know, if I know I'm going to be executed, I'm awake. You know, I can't sleep sometime when I've ate the wrong pizza at 10 o'clock at night, you know. But here he is, and he's just sleeping. What, what faith, what confidence, what contentment in our God. I think it's a beautiful picture. He's sleeping. Now, I think also Peter knew some things. If you'll go back over to the end of John, we won't go there, but I'll try to tell you real quick. You remember at the end of John when Jesus and Peter kind of got back together after Peter denied him three times? And he said, if you love me, you feed my sheep. And then he said this. Let me read this to you real quick. You don't have to flip over there. It's the end of John, John 21. He said this here. Very truly, this is Jesus talking to Peter. I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. A couple things. Peter knew that God had already promised him to live till he was old. He also knew that God was in control. Now, the sad thing about this, somewhere down the road, years down the road, after even our story today, Peter would be stretched out. It was, he told him that for the, telling the kind of death he would die. Peter would be crucified just like Christ. But you remember what Peter said? Peter said, Lord, he said, folks, don't crucify me like my God. I'm not worthy to be crucified like that. He, they crucified Peter upside down on a cross. Can you imagine the blood rushing to your head being nailed to a cross? But Peter knew. He had confidence in what Jesus had told him. Jesus said, when you're old, when you're old. He knew. He'd already been told by God. He'd been told by Jesus that, this is not my time. And so I think that helps him just to kick back and go to sleep. Suddenly, verse 7, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He was sleeping so soundly, he had to slap him upside the head to get him awake. Sound like some of these teenagers during school days. I remember I used to sleep so hard. Oh, my goodness. My mama would just come in there, daddy would pull all the covers off, and I'd go in there in the bathroom and lay in the floor and lock the door and go back to sleep. <laughs> I love to sleep. I'd sleep till 10 o'clock, you know. And now you can't do that anymore. You know, I'm up, when you get old and got all these troubles and worries, you're up at 5.30, you know, wondering what's going to go on today, you know. 
But here he is sleeping so sound, you can just see that angel just, you know, get up, get up. You know, it's shoving, slapping him upside the head. Wake up, wake up. Quick, get up. It's time to go, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Oh, by the way, the chains just fell off. Hmm. That's the God I want to serve. And he didn't wake up the guards. You know, here's four guys sitting around him. Two are chained to him. And the chains just fell off. What the old preacher said, he said, uh, he said, the angel fetched Peter. But it was prayer that fetched the angel. I like that. I like that. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Get your clothes on. Your sandals. You ever been woke up in the middle of the night trying to get your clothes on? You can't find them, you know? You can tell he's half asleep. He's trying to get things, get your shoes on. Isn't it amazing during this big miracle that just common things are happening? I've noticed that God always works common things in with his miracles. You think about when he fed the, the 5,000. How did that miracle end? Hey, you guys take these baskets and go collect the leftovers. That seemed pretty medial. You know? Why don't you just speak them and then come and get in the basket, you know? I think he wants us to show that he wants us to use what we've got to help his case go further. Look at Lazarus. What did he say? Lazarus, come forth. Now, could God have not moved the stone away? Yeah, but what did he say? Remove the stone and set him free. Why didn't God do that? He wanted us to be a part of what he's in on. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. It's awesome that he would include us in the, many, in the middle of his great miracles, and he says, I want you to do what you can do. It doesn't seem like much. Just pushing a rock away. God, that's nothing besides raising a man from the dead. But he had him do it. And here in the middle of all this miracle going on, Peter put shoes on. That seems weird. Why didn't he just raise his hands around Gary and the shoe popped on? I don't know, you know. But he wanted Peter to get up and be a part of it. Just ordinary things going on in the middle of God's miracles. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was still asleep. I must be dreaming. I must be dreaming. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And what did it do? It opened for them by itself. Must have had one of them electronic eyes like at Walmart. You know, it just opened to itself. God's working, man. God's working. See, see how big our God is? See what he's doing? They just come to the gate and it's open by itself. They, didn't, they weren't used to that back in those days. And they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Now, why didn't the angel stay with him? I, I don't know. But you know what he wanted Peter to do? Just keep walking by faith. Just keep walking by faith. You know, God didn't just keep doing miracle after miracle for people. You didn't see him do miracle after miracle in the New Testament for the same person. He got him to a spot, did a miracle for him, and he said, now, walk in faith. So Peter's walking, might be the, probably the middle of the night, walking the streets, trying not to get caught. He just busted out of jail. Nobody's going to believe an angel done that. There's a lot going on in Peter's head. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now, I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. They wanted me dead, and God has rescued me. Mm. Has God rescued you this morning? 
You know what? When you give your heart to him and you ask him to be the Lord of your life, he rescued you. If you're sitting in this room this morning and you're a Christian and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been rescued. You've been set free, as Danny sung this morning. You've been redeemed. He's come and rescued you just like he did Peter. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. This was the church. They didn't have a church like this. Back when we read, but the church was praying, this is where they were praying, at these people's houses. So he said, man, they need to know about this. They need to know because I know they were praying. They need to know that their prayers have been answered. And he goes and knocks on their door. Let's see what happens. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda, or in the Greek it's called Rose, came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Knock, 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 excuse me. Hello? It's Peter. She just goes running. She don't even open the door and let him in. She just goes, Peter's out there. He's out front. Now, here's an indictment maybe on the church, maybe on all of us, because sometimes we pray and pray and pray, and then when God does something, we go, wow. I didn't really think he'd show up. I was just praying. Look what they said. When she recognized she was overjoyed, she ran back. Peter's at the door. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, well, it must be an angel. It can't be. Now, I know we've been praying for him to be released. I know we've been praying for Peter. I know we've been praying for God to do something great. But there's no way he's standing at the door. It just don't happen that way. Our God's not that big. Now, they didn't say that. But that's what they were saying by their faith. Have you ever said that in your actions? My God's just not that big. That's what we say when we don't believe, when we don't have faith in Christ, when we pray and pray and pray, and then God does something and we go, well, that's that's fortunate that happened. (laughs) It was from God. You prayed for it. Guys, listen to me. All of us, myself mainly. When we pray, we need to believe. We need to have faith. Now, well, I won't even use it now because that's just saying doubt right there. But we, we must believe when we pray. If we pray for something, trust him. I don't know if he'll answer it right that day, but he'll answer it in some way. He'll answer it in the right way. Sometimes he says no. Man, I don't like them answers to my prayers. I like him to say yes right now. Right now I'm going to do it. Immediately I'm going to do it. He doesn't always do that. And by the way, in ministry, you argue with God a lot, okay? I'm just going to let you know that. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. I love the thought here. When they, what did they say? Uh, Let me read it again. I lost my spot. Isn't that awful? When they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. They were all in here. It can't be. It can't be Peter. There's no way. It must be an angel. Okay, let's all go see. And you can see like 12 people just walking like this. And they're all going together. Come on. You know, because they didn't know what was out there. It could have been Herod. It could have been anything. And can you imagine when she opened the door and all these eyeballs are looking at Peter? You can just see people like this. You know, 
because they went to the door and they opened the door together, you know. It's just a great picture there of the church just kind of moving together. And we, we kind of walk like that sometimes. God wants us to take this kind of step, and here's the kind of steps we take as a church. Here's the way we go. And God wants us to do this, and we do this. And be careful. Even in our private life, God wants us to do this, and we're doing, we're doing this. And we're looking around hoping somebody will go with us so we don't have to look foolish. And I'm telling you this. If you really trust God and you really have faith in God, you're going, to be, you're going to think in your mind, if I do this, this is going to be foolish. But I'm telling you, when you do it in faith and trust God, you will not look foolish when it all comes to pass. All right? In our minds, our human brains will tell us that looks foolish, but it won't be foolish. It won't be foolish. Peter motioned. Of course, they probably started screaming, you know. And here, he's, he's just busted out of jail. Don't forget that. There's people looking for him. He's been knocking on the door, looking, looking around, hoping nobody's coming. Won't they hurry up and open the door? And he's just knocking. And so all this group comes to the door, and they're, whoo, you know, they're screaming. And he's going, shh, shh, quiet down, quiet down. That's what he said. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James. Now, this James is the half-brother of Jesus, okay? This James is the half-brother of Jesus. And the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, look how mean the Herods are, and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Now, if you were a guard and somebody escaped, you paid the price. And the bloodiness of the Herods, the family of the Herods, that's all they knew was just persecution and blood. And he cross-examined them. Well, what happened? I don't know. I went to sleep. I woke up. The chains are here by me. I don't know what happened. What about you guys at the door? I didn't see him. After he cross-examined, he said, take these four out and kill them. Take these four people out and execute them. That's how, that's how swift it was. That's how merciless these Herods were. And then look how God works with our enemies sometimes. Now, not all the time, but, but I will say that God's going to treat all the enemies of the cross this way someday. He's going to take care of this situation. We must know that. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon and how they joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a, personal, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace and asked, uh, depended on the king's country for their supply of food. So after they was arguing and all this, and they said, they kind of come to their senses, and they go, well, look, they, they supply our food, so we've got, to, we've got to do what they say. So they kind of made peace. And then this big thing happens. And if you read back into the Jewish historian, now uh, Josephus is not in the Bible, but if you look outside the Bible for history during Bible times, a lot of times that was written by a, a guy by the name of Josephus. And Josephus said this next event happened on a festival that was honoring uh, Claudius Caesar. So they were honoring him, and, and Herod's putting on his big, big show, okay? And look what God does. On the appointed day, Herod wearing his royal robes, he's probably decked out in gold. Man, he, you can see him from a mile away. He's just... He's just up there walking around, you know, just sauntering around. Look at me. I'm king. I'm in charge. You're not. You know, those kind of things. Sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And he walks over and sits down on his throne. And they shouted, this is the voice of a God. 
That's how much they were worried about their bellies rather than what Jesus wanted to do for them. He feeds us, so we're going to worship him. Man, what, what, let's, let's, let's pump him up a little bit so he won't hurt us. He just put four guys to death. Let's, talk, let's pump him up. This must be a God. What a voice. What, what a beautiful person. What, what a wonderful person. Because Herod did not give praise to God. Guys, listen to me. Don't mess with God. An angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Man, that's what always scares me about people wanting to steal from the church and and, and treat Christians wrong and, and do things that they shouldn't be doing and going against God and saying there is no God and, and people saying, guys, listen to me. This is God. Here's one of the, the, the most powerful men of the time. And God just with a sp- speaking of his word through an angel, this guy gets worms and gets ate up and dies. That's gross. But that's God when you mess with him. Guys, listen to me. We forget. And Danny said something about it last Sunday and this morning. We forget how holy our God is. And you know what every one of us deserves? We deserve to have worms and die. But he didn't want it that way because he loved us so much. And he came and he sent his son to die on this cross for us so that we could worship the one true God and we could have eternal life and we could be blessed beyond measure. We deserve worms, but he gave us a throne in heaven. He gave us a place in heaven to live with him forever. Now, if that's not a change of of lifestyle, I don't know what is. But guys, I'm telling you, people do not need to mess with a holy God. Because someday, he's patient right now. We are living in the age of grace. And he is patient, and he is patient, and he is patient, and he is patient. But one of these days, it's going to be over. He's not going to be so patient. Come to Jesus now. Come to Jesus now. And then one more but. And Luke's kind of just giving you a progress report. All through, all through Acts, you see Luke doing this. Remember? And 2,000 souls were added daily. And, and another 1,000 souls were added daily. And he gets to this one. He's going to give us a progress report. All this craziness is going on. But the Word of God continued to spread and flourish throughout. Isn't that something? Nothing can stop the Word of God. Crazy kings. Crazy people. Crazy situations, doubting people, unbelieving people, nothing, nothing, nothing can stop the Word of God. And if you want to be on the right side, if you want to be on the winning side, get over in the line that says, trusting in the Word of God, and you'll be a winner. You'll be victorious. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Mm. What a story. What a crazy thing. But God is working. And why did he do all this? So that Peter could continue to go on and spread the good news of the gospel. So that people could come to find Jesus as Savior. And he continued on with his message. He continued on with his purpose and his plan. And here we are 2,000 years later, guys. And he still wants us to continue on with the plan of sharing the good news of the gospel. Because it's the right way. It's the best way. 
And dare I say, in my own little narrow thinking, it's the only way. Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And you just don't come to the Father except through him. Amen? Let's pray. And Father, we are overwhelmed by how you work, when you work, what you do. Lord, a lot of it just leaves us confused. It leaves us scratching our head. Because, Lord, we just have to remember your ways are not our ways. And, Lord, that's hard because we want everybody to think we know it all. And we don't. But, Lord, I pray as, as the pastor here and as I know the hearts of these people, I, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to show us to trust you in all things. Lord, that even when we don't understand, we just have to realize that you are sovereign, you're in control, and everything you do is right and is in perfect timing. Lord, help us, help us to understand that. I thank, for the, I thank you for the way you worked in the early church so that the good news can, could, could, could continue to be spread and that we could come to know you many thousands of years later. Lord, thank you for the, the plan, the, the process that brought salvation to the world. Lord, help us to, to love you. Help us to thank you. Lord, help us to realize how serious it is to go against God. Lord, help us not to do that. And Lord, I pray for the situations in this world today. I pray for the lostness of this group named ISIS. Lord, I pray that you would just move in that group and you would just turn their hearts inside out for you. I pray that you would protect the people there in that area. Lord, just as the people of the new church prayed for Peter, we lift up prayers this morning for these wonderful people that are losing their life because of their love for you. But Lord, I, I pray for them, but I have no right to tell you how to do it. I just pray that your will be done. And Lord, I pray that you would just comfort them and strengthen them. And Lord, I, I pray that nothing like that would ever reach our shores. But Lord, someday, if it does, I pray for the faith that these people have to stand in the face of their persecutors and to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just can't imagine how difficult that must be. But Lord, I also know that you tell us your grace is sufficient. And Lord, you would take us through whatever we face. I pray for these people this morning, Lord. We bond together as a church and pray for the persecuted of the world. And Lord, move on their behalf in your own way in your own time. And Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. In your name we pray. Amen.